0: Into Colossians chapter 3, and while you're turning there, let me just share a little bit about next weekend, because it's Thanksgiving weekend, uh, as a leadership team, we decided to, to do a one-week pause from our, our uh, series through Colossians, so I really asked the Lord, what could I do next weekend that would be special, and I felt like the Lord gave me a message related to depression, related to discouragement and defeat, the three Ds. So it's going to be a special message, because I know many people, they're living for the Lord, but they're dealing with defeat, maybe, from the past, or they're dealing with depression or discouragement, and God's Word has a lot to say, so don't miss next weekend. I know it's a holiday weekend and so forth, because I really feel like there's some people who are going to be set free next weekend in those different areas that you've been maybe dealing with. So uh, in Colossians 3, as we begin a new chapter here, I'm titled this message, Out with the Old and in with the... You already know, out with the old, in with the new. It's kind of like you know, some of you, you you want to buy some new clothes, but you can't quite get stuff in your closet. It's all jammed up, so you got to get rid of some things. You know, Barb will oftentimes tell me, "Can I go through the closet for you?" I know what that means. She's gonna pull shirts. Oh no, not that one. You haven't worn that for so long, but uh, that was so comfortable. You know, you know, it's like you. But you have to make sometimes room. You have to get out with the old. So you can put new in. And today God wants to talk about that with our own spiritual life. We got things that don't belong. Some things that God wants us to take out of our lives so he can add more of him in. But sometimes we resist that. We're holding on to things from the past. So let's start in verse one. Since then you've been raised with Christ. So let's just stop right there. He's talking to Christians in, in chapter 2, he's, he's given us this message related to, you know, we're being resurrected with Christ through baptism and so forth. Since we've been raised with Christ now, and, and I want you to understand the things that he's going to be sharing, this is not for the ungodly. This is not for worldly people. This is for the Christians. Because you're going to look at this thing and you say, boy, that sounds like he's speaking to the unsaved. No. Saved people struggle with things from their past. Am I right? And so just be reminded of that. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts and you could just say your emotions, your 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 passions in life. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. In other words, he's telling us to put our minds on in our hearts on on the heaven where God is. Verse two, set your minds on things above. Not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also appear with him in glory. So he's telling us these things. Okay, since you're a Christian now, you've been raised up with Christ, watch how you spend your thoughts and your affections in life. Put your thoughts and your, and your, and your affections on heaven, where Christ is. You know, and speaking of heaven, I know when, every time we talk about heaven, people always, and I know you guys love your animals. You always want to know, where, where do your animals go, right? Well, they've said that all dogs go to heaven. I don't know that, but that's what they say. But I do know about cats. Because I've been told that cats go to purgatory. So, I'm just saying. Speaking of cats, oh, Last night of our mission trip, 2 in the morning, there's a big loud cat fight right outside of our window. Both Barb and I woke up, and then we were like, couldn't sleep the rest of the night. It was like, <laughs> all, all night long, you know, it was like, okay, let's get our minds back on heaven, though. <laughs> You've probably heard people say this, that person is so heavenly-minded, though no earthly good. Maybe some of your relatives have said that about you. <laughs> Let me tell you, that's not true. I, don't, I believe the opposite. I believe we can't really be earthly good until we are heavenly minded. That God wants us to have a heavenly mindset. That we focus on Christ and as a focus of Christ, it allows us to be better here on this earth. But don't focus on the things of this earth. We know that's so hard because we live here, right? This is our culture. We live here. But God's saying, have this heavenly mindset where Christ is. And then in the verse 3, it says, for you died. Now, I know you're all breathing. You're all looking at me. Okay, you're here in this service. But it says you died. Now, how did we die? When we came to Christ, we are to die to us being in control. That's a hard one, right? We don't die physically. We die Based on us being in control. Now here's the problem. Some of you still want to be in control. Me at times too. We want to be everything to go our way. And we get mad when things don't go our way. See, God has called us to, to die to ourselves. Jesus had got a message. He said, you want to be a disciple? Die to yourself. Take up your cross daily. Die to yourself." So here he's telling us, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God, when Christ, who is your life. So our true life is Christ. We died to ourselves so that we can live for Christ. Now, if you're like me, before I got saved, I used to think: if I really give my life to Jesus, I'm gonna have to cut out all this stuff I'm doing that I know is bad, and I'm gonna have a miserable life. Some of you are probably still there, still thinking that. It's just the opposite. We will experience what true life really is when we are obedient to Jesus, when we give, we give that, con- that control over to him and we say, God, you're in control. That's why part of the gospel is that we not only make Jesus our Lord, our Savior, but we say, we confess Him as Lord. That word Lord means He's our master. Some of you are struggling because you want to be in control, but yet you also want God's, everything that God has for you. And you can't have it both ways. It's like you're, you're hanging on to one thing, but yet you're wanting to hang on to something else. It's like I'm hanging on to this old life, but I, but I also want to have my hands in, in with Jesus. And you got to let go of this to really experience this. So here's our first point. Living for Jesus involves dying to ourselves. If you want to live, you have to die. It's kind of like a seed. You know, a seed is, is is not going to produce a plant until it goes into the soil and dies. And as that so- seed dies, it, new life comes out of it. That's the way it is for us. As we die to ourselves, we begin to live. Now, I just want to share this because this church in Colossae was dealing with the struggles that were kind of coming into the church. And those two struggles were... The people were coming into the Gnosticism uh, viewpoint or doctrine, and that was like everything of the body is evil, so you can sin with your body. It doesn't matter. It's all evil. It's the spiritual part that's good. So they'd be involved in all kinds of sexual activities, but they would say, well, that's okay because that's our body. Everything material is bad. So there was very, very, let's just call that the liberal side. Then there was a very, very legalistic side, and these were the judaizers that came in and says okay if you want to follow Jesus that's good but you also have to follow all 613 jewish laws all the festivals you have to be circumcised if you're male you have to be you know follow these different dietary fest- all these different laws and that was what was creeping into the church now that was 2000 years ago do we see any of these problems today do we see liberalism and legalism in the church trying to attack churches today? Yeah. The liberal part is like, well, you know, I know what the scripture says about that, but that was cultural. We don't have to follow that today. You know, Paul just didn't like women. He, he was like, you know, he was a homophobic, you know. You, know, you just they try to rewrite the scriptures. That's the, the liberal side. Well, then you all of a sudden you have the legalistic side. And they make all these different rules that you have to do this, you have to do this. We ran into that in Guatemala. People thought because they were in very legalistic churches, I'm saved this day because I did a good thing, but now the next day I'm not saved because I sinned, and I'm not. I'm gonna, I got to get and back and forth. It's like how do you live that way? Very legalistic, and I, I can tell you why churches sometimes teach legalistic ways because they can control the people that way. In fact, pastors can get people to do stuff because they put that type of legalism on them. So, now, are we a perfect church here? Well, some of you said that very quickly, didn't you? (laughs) I love our church, but you know what? We're not a perfect church, okay? First of all, you don't have a perfect pastor. But what we try to do is we try to find the balance between the liberalism and the legalism, and you know what we find? if we teach God's word, it has the balance. It has how we're to live. And as we go further into the study now, you're going to see these different things going on. And that's so important for us. So let's keep going. Verse five. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. So he's going to tell us the stuff. Now, if you're not careful, you're going to think, well, that sounds legalistic. Okay, Remember, it's all balanced. You're going to see the other side of it here in a moment. It says, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly, that earthly side, so to whatever belongs to your earthly natures. And now it's going to give you an idea. If you're not sure what's a part of your earthly nature, your sin nature, in other words, it says sexual immorality. That means sexual activity apart from a husband and wife committed in marriage together. Impurity. Lust. Lust. And that lust could be for any kind of thing, or you just have desires. i got to have this. Evil desires, greed. Look what this says, all of which is idolatry. See, sometimes people think of an idol as only like a little statue that people would bow down to. No, an idol is really anything that we put ahead of God. We can have idols, idols of the heart. Some of you, you may have the, your job could be an idol. Some of your family could be an idol. I mean, it could be good things that we can, anything we put ahead of God. But here's some bad things, some sinful things that God's saying, this is idolatry. So he's saying, put it to death. Kill it. Get rid of it. Now, remember, he's writing to Christians, so obviously they were still struggling with it. Then it says, verse 6, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. The wrath of God, the judgment of God comes because of sin it says here, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. So in other words, it's saying these things should be a part of our old life, not a part of our new life. This should be like our old life, not our secret life. See, sometimes people are still living this way. And he said, no, this should be a part of our old life. That we, these are, and I know for my life, you know, when I gave my life to Christ, there was a lot of junk I had to get rid of. Okay? And there's stuff that's in there and it's in the past. But it doesn't mean I'm perfect. I still have to continue to put to death things that want to creep up and, and, and uh, be in my life. I love what it says in Romans 6, verse 6 and 7. It says, you see it on the screen. We know that our old sinful selves, so that's, that's for our old life, okay? Our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. You know, that's where that, that death comes in, that we gave up control. We died with, we identified with Christ. So that, look what happens when we do that. So that sin might lose its power over our lives. Some of you, sin still has a power over your lives. You're still struggling. I can't do it. I can't. I can't overcome this. I can't overcome. Sin still has a power over you. And it will until you crucify your sin nature. Until you die to that control. Look what it says then. We are no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. That gets you excited? That we can be free from sin and its power? That comes as a result of us dying with Christ. Christ was our example. Again, in order for us to have true life, we have to die. We have to give up our control. Now, I know sometimes, and this is real popular in, in churches, and I've, I've said this, and I, I probably will from time to time say it by mistake, but oftentimes people will say things like, uh, uh, You need to commit your life to Christ. Commit your life to Christ. Do you know what that sounds like to me? That it's all up to me. Like, I just need to commit. I need to stand strong. Commit my life to Christ. You know, as I read the scriptures, I'm seeing more and more, it's not about me committing to Christ. It's about me dying. It's about me surrendering. So I'm trying to use very carefully, and if you listen to me pray and talk, I will say about giving our life to Christ, about surrendering our life to Christ, or actually, as the Scripture says here, die with Christ. See, when we give up control, but see, when you're committing, who's, who's in control? Sounds like we're in control, don't we? We're committing. Well, I'm going to hang on. Hang on. It's like, no, when we die, we give up control. He has a way of filling us with his Holy Spirit in a, in a way that's so powerful. So let's keep going. Um, oh, yeah, let's look at verse 6 again. Because of these things, it says the wrath of God is coming, which I'm going to share with you this, this point on the screen, and that is God takes sin seriously, and we should too. I would say he takes it pretty serious because he says, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. What do I see in the church world? What I see in Christians is today we are entertained by sin. We excuse sin. We wink at it. We pretend like it's no big deal. not going to hurt anybody. The wrath of God is coming from that. I would say God's taking it pretty serious. Do we? That's a, that's a message for all of us as a church. Remember, he's writing to Christians. He said, this is something God takes very serious. So let's make sure that we aren't um, falling into the trap that the enemy has laid. As we were reading Romans 6, too, here's our next point, and that is we need God's power to help us say yes to Jesus and no to sin. I remember when I gave my life to Jesus at the age of twenty, being addicted to alcohol and drugs. Um, I I had no power before that. I couldn't get. I couldn't do it. I, in fact, I didn't want to do it. But when I gave my life to Jesus, things begin to change. My desires change. I had a strength. I could be with someone and choose to not partake in that i remember the first person i led to christ after i it was within one week i led a person to christ of me giving my life to christ was in a bar well that's where all my friends hung out we were playing pool and i chose i said i'm not going to drink with you it was an addiction i'm not going to drink but a guy was there who i'd been friends with i shared what god had done in my life and i led him to christ right there in a bar Now, later I learned that was probably not where I needed to continue to hang out. (laughs) But if I was going to be with any of my friends, that's where they were going to be at. But God gave me ability to say no to sin and yes to him. And he will do the same thing for you. You have to ask him for it, though. Ask for his power. This is why it's not about us just trying hard. It's not about self-help. It's like, I've got to have this determination. You've tried that. How well does that work? You usually get discouraged because you, you can't do it but when we die he gives us a power his power it's long no longer we're in control now he's in control and i i have found life is so much better when we give him control amen let's keep going verse eight but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things so so You know, as the scripture is talking, first of all, he's telling us, put to death these really big things here in verse 5, because it's idolatry. First one he mentions is sexual immorality, because that's such a prevalent one in in all societies, all cultures. But now he's saying, you must also get rid of some other things. There's some other things you need to put in the trash, take out to the street. He says anger. Oh, that's one that we don't always think of as near as bad as some of these other things, Right? Anger, rage, malice, malice just being another word for evil, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self and its practices. See, if we've truly taken off the old self, these things have to go with it, unless maybe we're not taking off the old self. Maybe we're hanging on to these things. And if you look at that list there in verse 8 and 9, you'll find that some of these are attitudes of the heart and others are what comes out our mouth. Things like slander, filthy language, lying. Now, why is that? Well, Jesus taught us, out of the abundance of the heart, what? The mouth speaks. Singles, if you want to know what a really What the person that you're maybe potentially getting married to, dating relationship, you want to really know what they're like. You got to spend enough time with them in enough circumstances, and you got to use your ears. Don't just look. Don't don't look just with your eyes. Use your ears. What comes out of their mouth. And you know what? When everything goes great, everybody looks similar, right? How do they react? When they're cut off in traffic. How do they how do they act when somebody has, you know, uh, mistreated them? It's just a revelation. If you want to really know what's in if if they're always flying off in rage and and so forth, there's an indication something's not right in here. And so this is what Paul's saying here to all of us. You got to get rid of this stuff. It's part of an old life. Now, in verse 10, he says, and have put on the new self. So, we take off the old to put on the new. If you were here, I don't know how long ago it was, maybe half a year ago, we, did, we were going through the book of Ephesians. And there's a similar passage in Ephesians about taking off the old, putting on the new. Do you remember I had an old uh, jacket on? It was dirty, it was all ripped up jacket and so forth. And I was like, it was an example of the old life. And then I put a new sport coat on. And I was trying to wear both of them at the same time. It was extremely uncomfortable. And then I had one sleeve on one jacket and one sleeve in the other jacket, trying to do it that way, which looked ridiculous. And that's a physical appearance, but what we're talking about is spiritual. Are you trying to keep the old life and add the new life at the same time? God never designed it to work that way. And right now, there are some of you who are wondering why is this Christian life such a hard thing for me? Why do I see my friends or some other people in the church and they seem like everything seems to be going so much better for them? They seem like they, they have the joy of the Lord. They seem so happy during worship. You know, they're excited, they're shouting, they've got their hands up. And why do I just feel like I can't do this? It might be. I'm not saying it has to be. It might be. Because you're still in control. You're still trying to live the old life, and you want to add the new life on top of it. you got to take off the first before you add the new. That's what the message of this passage is telling us. And if we try to do both, we'll be unsuccessful in both. You won't enjoy the old life, and you won't enjoy the new life. Because you're trying to have a foot in both worlds. This church of Colossae was nine miles from another city named Laodicea. And likely they were dealing with a lot of the same stuff because God had a message in Revelation 3 about the the church of Laodicea. He he said, you're you're lukewarm. I wish you were either hot or cold, but the lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. It was that church that was right close to Colossae, likely dealing with a lot of the same type of stuff. Now, let's keep going. Now, he's going to tell us some more things that we need to be very careful of in our new life. What we, we need to do. So look at verse 10. And having put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. So what we are called to do is become like Jesus, our creator. We know that from chapter 1. It says, by, by him, talking about Jesus, all things were made by him and for him. So you talk about the new life. What does the new life look like? Look at Jesus. Study his life. When you see Jesus, you see what we are to be like. Now, we'll never be God, so don't don't go too far with that. But you look at his characteristics, his qualities, how he lived, how he handled people. We are to become like that. And so what you're going to see in this list of good things is we were created to be in his image. For example, God is generous, right? Right. We were created to be in his image. Are you generous? God is love. Are you loving? It's a good indication of where you're at with the new life versus the old life. It has nothing to do right now with whether you're saved or not. We are saved by, by grace, by putting our faith in what Jesus did at the cross. But what we're talking about now is our growth, our spiritual growth. So verse 10 says that we put on the new. Being renewed in the knowledge of the image, that image of God, of the creator. But look at verse 11. Here, talking about in that new life, there is no Gentile or Jew. Circumcised or uncircumcised. Barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all and is in all. In those days, people were divided. Gentiles versus Jews. Circumcised versus uncircumcised. Republican versus Democrat. Oh, I guess that was it back then. <laughs> Are we divided today? God, God is not the source of division. But you know Satan divides people. He wants to get people into, into people groups and, and to, to hate the others. I'm going to take a little time on this. I just got back from Guatemala, like I said. It's very very visible in in Guatemala. There's the Latinos who who originated from Spain that came. They brought Catholicism to Central America. The Latino background, and then there's the other group of people. There's the indigenous people with the Mayan background. The indigenous people, like it would be similar to the Europeans that came to the United States and the um, uh, Native Americans that were here, but it's still very very divided there and they don't mix they just all kind of stay separate and so forth and so what i was just visible is like how people groups divide and you know and and uh, what god is saying here is that he does not want us divided you know this whole thing with barbarian they were the people that did not speak the greek language of the day greek language was like the, the 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 intelligent people spoke greek it would be like today, around the world, the predominant language is English. You can go to most places of business and tourism, and you can find the native language of that country along with English. If you're going to ha- only know one language, English is the one. But it would be like well, we look down upon, everybody that doesn't speak English. That's what they were doing. They were divided. The, the barbarians were people that didn't speak English. And then you had the Scythians, Scythians were the lowest rung on the ladder of the barbarians. So they were like the ones who were really uneducated to really, you know, and they would look down upon these people. And then you see slaves and free people. But what God's word is said, I don't want you divided in Christ. We are all one. So here's a really important point. You see it up on the screen, especially for us as a church. Jesus loves everyone, and we should too. There is no place for prejudices or racism in the kingdom of God. Amen? No place. Doesn't matter what your skin color is, your native language, how much money you make, what type of car you live, what neighborhood you live in, whether you vote Republican or Democrat. We are one in Christ, and let's not be divided over all these different labels. Amen? Amen? Now, I just experienced some new ones here recently. Israel, as a pastor here, a lot of times I'll get emails and people coming up to me. We, obviously, there's a war in the Middle East, right? Just got back from Israel, and, and a month later, there's a war breaking out, and you see all the atrocities that are taking place. And we as the scripture tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So in many of our prayers, we are praying for the peace of Jerusalem. It also tells us to bless Israel. That was his land, his people. So we bless Israel. Then people come. Some people were like, but we're Palestinians. Now you're against us Palestinians. We're not against Palestinians. We're against the terrorists that, that went in into uh, Jerusalem. or I mean, in, in Israel. So we want the terrorists to be brought to justice. But we don't need to we don't hate Palestinians. You can pray for the Palestinians. Many of them are innocent people going through a lot of difficulties and you know there's even a lot of Christians who are Palestinian. So let's not divide over all these different things going on in the world. Satan loves division. <laughs> Guard your heart right now. Examine, do you do you have prejudices? Are you racist? And you might not ever say anything, but it doesn't belong there. God says we're all one in Christ. In heaven, we're all going to be together. Let's start, let's start practicing heaven on earth. Amen? Amen. So come together in that respect and don't let's not divide over all these different labels. Satan wants to do that. And I pray that there is absolutely no racism or prejudices here in this church. Amen. Now, let's keep going. Verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, now he's telling us more things to add to our life, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. These are the qualities that we can put on. If you get rid of the old, you can put on the new. If you get rid of all this anger, hatred, prejudices, you can get rid of all this sexual immorality and evil malice, all this stuff. Now, here's what you get to put on. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. It looks a lot like the fruit of the Spirit to me. But there's one I want to key in on, humility. Humility is one of those that's so important for us as Christ followers to have. It's really easy to be prideful. But God is calling us to be humble. Jesus was our example. Remember, if we're to be the new self is to look like Jesus, Jesus was so humble. All the way from this birth, you see him laying, being laid in a manger. All the way through his life, people turned against him. It said that the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve. He gave his life as a ransom for many I love what Louis Giglio says. He's a pastor in Atlanta. He said, humility is not a character trait to develop. It's it's the natural byproduct of being with Jesus. Let that one sink in for a little bit. I think I've looked at this wrong sometimes in the past. I'm thinking, well, I just need to study up on humility more. I just need another Bible study on humility, maybe a book on humility. And we can oftentimes fall in the trap. Teach us about being compassionate. Teach us about being gentle. I just need to love. You know what? I really believe we just need to fall more in love with Jesus. The closer we get to Jesus, we spend time with him, we take on his nature. He's humble. So as we're spending time with him, we're going to become more like him. And you know what that does? To me, that's freeing. It's not as much about us trying so hard. Remember that whole commit thing about me? Like, I got to work it up. I got to... No, fall in love with Jesus. Spend time with Jesus. And watch His character be developed in you. But He has to tell us, though, He does tell us to put some things to death, to get rid of some stuff, because it's hard to spend that time where He's pouring His nature into us when we're hanging on to all this stuff from the world. So, again, out with the old so that the new can come in. And I, I, I think it's very liberating as we just clothe ourselves with these things. We are, we are becoming more and more like Jesus. Verse 13. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Ooh. Ooh. You mean I have to bear with people who are different than me? People who maybe may rub me the wrong way, push my buttons? How am I going to do that? I don't think you can do that in your old self, but you can do it with the Lord. I've used this little saying in the past. You can't stop people from pushing your buttons, but you can change the reaction. And do that by having more and more of the Lord in you. When those buttons are pushed, more of his nature is going to come out of you. But look what the big one is, focuses on. Forgive one another if you have any grievance against someone. Has someone hurt you? Right now, if I was to say a certain person's name, somebody who's hurt you, and you just get all knotted up inside and feel like this anxious feeling, you may, you may still have some unforgiveness. You need to let it go. And we're going to do that in our prayer time at the end. God does not want you to hold unforgiveness. Unforgiveness will eventually turn to bitterness. And bitterness in your heart will affect the relationships around you. You'll be extra sensitive to people. You'll fly off the handle. People will say, man, I feel like I'm walking on eggshells around you. It's because of bitterness. Forgive. And in the end of verse 13, it told us the... Forgive as Christ has forgiven us. Has He forgiven you? How? Did you deserve it? No, none of us have. Did you earn it? No, it was a gift. We forgive as He has forgiven us. You've heard people say, maybe you've said it, you need to forgive and forget. That's impossible. He's given us a memory. We have a mind. We will remember what those people have done to us. I'm going to change it on you. From now on, here's what you want to say. Forgive and remember. Forgive and remember what Christ has done for you. Okay? Forgive and remember. That's what you need to do. So it's not forgive and forget. Forgive and remember. And then it says there that we we. we we Over all these virtues, verse 14, over all these virtues that we've just been talking about, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. See, if you don't have love, none of this thing works. You've got to have love in your gentleness. You've got to have love in your humility and your compassion and all these different things. God has called us to love. So here's our next point. Forgive and love others by remembering what Jesus did for us. It's, a ref- it's a, an overflow of our relationship with God that we do things because what he's done for us. Not because we have to, but because we want to. We remember. Remember, forgiveness is a decision we make. It's not a feeling. We're not letting somebody off the hook. We're not minimizing what they did. We're just turning it over to the Lord. Say, Lord, you take care of it. I'm out of it. Now, verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let me stop here on verse 15 for a moment. Let the peace of Christ. Do you know what that feels like, the peace of Christ? You can be in the midst of a storm and you have a peace. It's hard to describe, isn't it? You just know it. It's like I shouldn't be peaceful right now, but I do have peace. It's the peace of Christ. But it it goes beyond just being in the midst of trials. It can go in how we make our decisions in life. Should I buy this house? Do I have a piece about it? Should I take this job? Do I have a piece about it? In the original language of Greek, that word rule, I'm probably going to mess this up. It's "brabio." "Brabio" meant, the best way to describe it is like an umpire. To rule means to be like, you think about an umpire, safe, out. Let the peace of Christ guide you to where that's safe, that's good, go for it. Or no, don't you do that, that would be bad for you, out, don't do it, don't do it. And many times people know what they're supposed to do and they choose to do something different or they, they're about to do something, and they don't have that peace, but they go forward with it anyway. I mean, let the peace of Christ guide you in the decisions that you make. That's, what he, that's one of the benefits of the Holy Spirit living in you, that peace. Oftentimes, here's what we do, and I'm guilty of this. Lord, bless my plan. Sometimes I'll do this with Barb. Barb. Instead of informing, instead of consulting with her, should we do this? I'll inform her. This is what we're going to do. Sometimes we do that with God. Do we consult? Do we ask God with an openness like, God, I really want to know? Or do we like, I've already made my decision. Sometimes we get those people come up to us as pastors and they will inform us. It's not really like we're being consulted for biblical advice. So God is asking for us. He's given us his peace to help us make these decisions. One huge thing that I do when I'm praying for our decisions is this. Will this decision help me become more like Jesus, or will it take me away from being like Jesus? If it's a decision that helps us become more like Jesus, it's probably a good thing. If it's like, you know, you shouldn't go to that date with that person. You know, I don't know if I should hang out with this person. It's probably... Piece peace of Christ telling you, don't do it, don't do it. So here's our, oh, let's keep reading. We're just about done here. Verse 16 and 17. Let the message of Christ, in other words, his word, dwell among you richly. Not the word of God, in other words. Let it richly be among you and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You see there that we're to be thankful in verse 15. You see that we are to to sing songs with gratitude in verse 16. And you see that we're supposed to give thanks in verse 17. Do you think God has a message for us? See, Thanksgiving should not be about a day. It should be about a lifestyle. And what God is telling us, be thankful. Be thankful as you're seeking God for those decisions in life. Be thankful as you bring the word and as you do worship in verse 16. And in case I've missed anything else, whatever you do, do it all for him, his name, giving thanks. So here's our last point. Be thankful and let God's peace guide our decisions. Be thankful. Let his peace guide your decisions. He wants to do that in our lives. And you might be thinking, oh, I, you don't understand my circumstances, Pastor Dave. I can't be thankful right now. Well, remember, Apostle Paul is penning this letter, and he's in prison as he's doing that. I don't see any of you in prison right now. If he can do it from prison, we can do it in our, in our circumstances. Am I right? He's called us to be thankful. He's called whatever we do, do it in the name of the Lord. In other words, we just dedicate it to the Lord. This is what we're doing, God. This is the call that he has for us. As we get ready to pray, we're going to pray for some specific things. I'm going to tell you up front what we're going to pray about. One, we're going to pray for those of you that are still stuck in the old life and you need to put some things to death, some things that you're struggling with, or maybe you need to struggle with it. You're not even struggling. You're entertained by it. or you're, 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 It's a secret sin. You're, you're, you're just like you're excusing it to yourself. Nobody's buying it, okay? God's saying let it go. Put it to death. That's the one thing. Second of all, I want us to pray for those of you that need to forgive someone. That you can be set free. You can head to that parking lot today set free by forgiving. And it'll, a heaviness will come off of you. And the third thing, some of you have not yet given your life to Jesus. You haven't surrendered. You haven't you haven't uh, put it to death You're in, a, in a way where you knew the life can even come to you yet. But you can do that today. You can receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior today. And I want us to pray for that, okay? So let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, I just thank you for this group of people that are here in person as well as those watching online. Thank you for them. being being here to be under the teaching of your word, for listening to you speak to their hearts. And I pray for each person who is still hanging on to the old life, still hanging on to the sinful things of the past, and and, uh, maybe they're excusing these things, but Lord, your word gives us no excuse for it. You tell us very clearly to put it to death, get rid of it, and I pray that decisions are being made right now that people are going to put to death some things that they've been been hanging on to that needs to go help them remove that old way of life so they can move forward i pray for those who maybe when i was talking about forgiveness that lord right now there are people that need to forgive someone who's hurt them hurt them deeply maybe it's been many years ago maybe it's going on right now help them to forgive lord help them to truly turn it over to you If under your breath, you can just even say that person's name or maybe there's several names. You just need to, under your breath, you need to say, Lord, I just forgive whoever. And while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you're not walking with Jesus today, I would just say, why? What is so important in this world that's keeping you from, from experiencing the way God has created you to live? That He has a purpose, a plan. He will give you true meaning in life. And it all comes as we are in fellowship with our Creator. And that comes through our sins forgiven by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. And you want to do that today. Raise your hand up high. Because I'd love to pray with you. As an act of faith. Saying, I want that relationship with Jesus. Raise it up high. Okay? Others of you. Okay, good. Good. Some are adults, some are kids. Okay, good. Even in the balcony, great. Anyone else? I'm just I'm gonna pray with you. Good. Good. Okay, over here? Yep, good. You can put your hands down. Let me lead you in a prayer. And it's not about some magic words that you say. It's about the meaning of this prayer. You're praying to God. It's coming from your heart. I'm just guiding you in what you need to say to the Lord as you are surrendering your life to Jesus and receiving the Holy Spirit to come live in you. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner, but I know Jesus came to this earth. To die for my sins. I put my faith in Jesus. That his death on the cross. Paid for my sins. And his resurrection. Has given me the power. To live in me. Please forgive me now of all my sin. Send your Holy Spirit to live in me. So I can follow Jesus from this day forward. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Can we give a hand to those that prayed that prayer? Awesome. Awesome. Good job. At the end of the service, we'd love to have you come down here so we can congratulate you, give you some information about what it means to walk with the Lord. But right now, would you stand as we close in one last worship song? Let's sing together what he's done. Done what he's done, all the glory and the honor to the Son. My sins are forgiven, my future is heaven. I praise He's done a lot, hasn't he? And I pray as you go into this Thanksgiving week that you'll just go with that gratitude for what God has done. That you will just reflect more and more on him, that heavenly mindset, the hearts towards heaven. And watch what God wants to do through each and every one of us. You guys are incredible church. We love you so much. If you have any prayer needs, come on down front. And we'll have some others, our prayer team down here. Those of you that raised your hands to pray pray to receive christ we would love to congratulate you and give you some information down here so make your way down here and if you are new you're here visiting with you welcome we're glad that you you're here we'd love to meet you out in our commons there's an information center there's a center ring out there we'll have some people out there be glad to talk to you answer questions you might have give you some information about the church and uh our offering boxes are by the back doors you can give your Uh, offerings and tithes in there or you can give online thank you for being a generous church so god bless you and have a great thanksgiving week hope to see you on wednesday night